0: Well, good morning to you. I um, missed you guys last week and uh, am grateful for the opportunity to be back. Thank you for your prayers while we were uh, out of the country. And I appreciate so much uh, Dr. Nathan Finn, my boss. I hope you told him good things about me. Um, but I, I appreciate uh, your response to him. He came away from His time with you so excited and encouraged by your response to his message. So uh, thank you. I had bragged on you and and told him uh, that he was in for a great time, and he certainly had that last Sunday. So thank you for that. We are in a series in the book of Nehemiah, so I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word. And again, hopefully your Bible is uh, beginning to open automatically to this book, but uh, if, you're, if you need to find it, again, start in Psalms and go backwards uh, to Job, and then uh, you'll come to Esther, and then the book of Nehemiah, and we're in chapter 1, and we've been asking some fairly important questions of ourselves in these weeks together. For example, do you really care about your world? Do you care about what is happening in our society? Do you care about the kind of environment that our children and grandchildren are going to grow up in? Do you care about things like morality, truth, right and wrong? Do you care about the disintegration of the family, the too often seen? Dysfunctionality of the church. Do you care that there is a hell and that people are going there every single day? If you care, great. That's important that you care. In fact, it is wonderful that you care. But the more important question is, if you do care, what are you doing about it personally? How are you involved? Because you see, it's very easy for us in the church to talk about how bad things are out there. It's fairly easy for us to wring our hands and point fingers and criticize everything and everyone from the government, to the schools, to the welfare system, to the media and the entertainment industry. But you know, wringing our hands and pointing our fingers and criticizing, you know what, that's not really ever going to change anything. And can I just say something to you this morning? I, I'm going to go way out on a limb here. And I, and I realize that. But this is a big election year. It's a big election year. But do you understand that the buttons you push or the levers you pull in that voting booth, they're not going to change anything either? Now, You vote your conscience, that's important. You vote for the person or the persons you think are best qualified to accomplish what a politician can accomplish. But I gotta tell you that for far too long, those of us in the church of Jesus Christ have tended to place our faith and trust in a certain politician or a certain political party to fix the problems in this country. And I've just got to tell you that as Christians, we ought to know better than that. The question is not, what can a politician do or what can a certain political party do? The question is, What can the people of God do? What difference can we make? What difference are you making? What difference am I making? As believers, as the church of Jesus Christ, what are we really doing to make a difference in our homes, in our families, in our communities, in our nation? And among the nations? That's really the question. And so we've been, I was gonna say, walking through the book of Nehemiah. We haven't managed to walk very far. We've kind of been sitting here in these opening verses. But the central message of this book is we can make a difference. Or to be more theologically correct, God. Can make a difference through us. Now, I want you to listen to me this morning. I mean this with all of my heart. If I didn't think things could change, my friend, I wouldn't be here. I just wouldn't be here if I didn't think things could change. If the only option we have this morning is for things to just get worse and worse and there's nothing we can do about it. I I don't don't want to be here. I don't care about being here. And that's why I love the book of Nehemiah, because the book of Nehemiah tells us that God can change things, and he can change things in a hurry if he can just find some people he can use as difference makers. Nehemiah's story is the story of, of a society gone bad but it is also the story of one man's determination to make a difference and because Nehemiah said God you can use me God was able to take this man and in just 52 days he was able to solve a 141 year old problem and here's the deal This was not just a one-time event. Uh, This was not an anomaly that just happened a long time ago that is somehow never capable of being repeated. No. This works every time. It works every time. A couple of weeks ago, we looked at 2 Chronicles. Chapter sixteen, verse nine. I didn't have room to go back and put all of that in the message guide again this week, but but let me let me share this verse with you again from the Living Bible. It reads this way: For the eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are turned toward Him so that he can show his great power in helping them. God wants to pour his power out on you and on me so that we can be difference makers. Now listen, we're not talking about being some kind of Rambo or Jack Bauer or Jack Ryan for Jesus. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the fact That God is looking for some people who are passionate about the same things he is passionate about. And when he finds them, his word tells us he will strengthen them and empower them and enable them to be difference makers. See, Nehemiah was passionate about what God was passionate about. So God used him to make an incredible difference. So here's what we've seen so far, very quickly. Number one, we've seen the role of a dedicated person. That was Nehemiah. He was completely dedicated to what God wanted to do through his life. He was just an ordinary guy, wasn't a preacher, never been to seminary, wasn't a theologian, just an ordinary guy working an ordinary job, in a pagan culture, but he was absolutely sold out to God, absolutely dedicated to the Word of God and the will of God and the ways of God. So God took his life and used it in a dramatic, and really, when you when we look at the whole story here, in a miraculous way. That was the first thing. Then secondly, we've looked at the reality of a difficult problem. You see, in Nehemiah's day, the problem was the total disintegration of a culture. For 141 years, since 586, 587 BC, when the Babylonians had come in and conquered the southern kingdom of Judah and destroyed the city of Jerusalem, tearing down its walls, burning all of its buildings, the people living there for 141 years now had been living there in distress and defeat, and despair. 141 years. You remember, and this is important, I just, just want to remind us again, Nehemiah was a Jew. He was a follower of the God of Israel. But he wasn't living in Israel, he was living, remember, in Persia. He worked in the king's service. He lived in the king's palace. He had a position of comfort and of security and influence. He wasn't in the mess that was Jerusalem. He didn't have to deal with any of that. But when he heard from his brother Hanani about the devastation and the distress in Jerusalem, when he realized how bad the problems were back there, he could no longer be content to live in the king's palace. And so as as we're going to see, he determined that he had to do something and he was willing to leave the king's palace, willing to leave his position of influence and, and comfort and security and identity. Why? So he could go back into the rubbish pile that was Jerusalem and be part of rebuilding it. For the glory of God. So I've I've just got to ask you Is that your response to the incredible problems and devastations around you, whether they're in your own home or in your family, your community, this nation, or among the nations? Do, Do you just accept the fact? that things are a mess and are probably going to stay that way? Do you say, well, you know, I guess this is just the way it, it, it is. This is the way it's always been in this situation, and, and I'll just have to live with it. Or are you willing to let God take your life and through your life raise up another Nehemiah? For this generation, for this time and this place, are you willing to leave the world of your own comfort, your own expectations, the way you want your life to be? This tendency we have to to expect God to always make our life comfortable, trouble-free, easy, just enjoying living in the king's palace as we coast our way to heaven. Or are you willing to say this morning, God, yes, it would be nice if you took this problem away or if you used somebody else to deal with it. But as a believer, as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, I recognize this is my problem too. And I want to be part of fixing it. So yes, I'll leave my comfortable place. I'll leave my security I'll go into the mess. I'll go into the rubbish pile and help fix it. Let me tell you something, church. God can do a lot of fixing. and He can do it in a hurry. But not until we begin looking at ourselves as part of God's solution to the problem. So, we have a dedicated person. We have a difficult problem. This morning, we're going to look at determined prayer. The requirement of determined prayer. Let me... uh, Let me make sure we understand that that when Nehemiah looked at his broken down, devastated world, there are probably a lot of things the man could have done. He could have started, I guess, a new government program. After all, he was the king's closest advisor. He was in the government. So he could have taken that approach. He could have held some counseling sessions, got some some brainstorming groups together, try to figure out how to deal with this. He could have gotten advice from the psychologist and the social scientist of the day to find out if something was wrong with the way the people in Jerusalem were thinking because, again, this devastation had been going on for 141 years and nothing had changed. Surely there was something wrong with the way they were thinking. Maybe he could have sent some engineers in, you know, to to drive some pilings down, to take some soil samples to see if after all this time the ground was going to be able to support new walls and new buildings there. I don't know, all all of those things might have had their place. But as Nehemiah grappled with the reality of his difficult problem, his first response was none of those things. His first response was prayer. Prayer was Nehemiah's very first action, not his last. You see, sometimes, oftentimes, really too many times, we only go to God after we've tried everything else and everything else hadn't worked. Then we pray. Nehemiah didn't go to God after he tried everything else, after he had tried all of his human ingenuity, all of his methods, all of his programs, after he would responded to all of the secular thinking. No, he went to God and he went to God first And he went to God first for many days. And he went to God first for many days with great mourning and fasting. So we're not just talking about prayer here. We're talking about determined prayer. We need to understand the kind of prayer that changes things that makes a difference is not diluted prayer. It's not delinquent prayer. It's not dabbling prayer. It's it's not even devotional prayer. The kind of prayer that makes a difference that changes things is determined prayer. So, What is determined prayer? What is it? Boy, you all asked some really good questions. So, let me try to answer that for you this morning. What is determined prayer? But before I do, may I make a little declaration here? You you can take issue with me here if you want, but let, the, the first thing I want us to see here is that determined prayer is sacrificial prayer. Determined prayer is sacrificial prayer. Now again, I, I want to share a sad truth with you this morning. You may not agree with it. that's That's okay. But here's what I believe is a sad truth. Many of us, perhaps even most of us, do not sacrifice other things so we can pray. What we do is sacrifice prayer so we can do other things. Can I I say that again? Most of us do not sacrifice other things so we can pray. What we do is sacrifice prayer. So that we can do other things. And we wonder why our prayers don't seem to make a difference. As Nehemiah looked at his difficult problem, he saw something so serious, so overwhelming, that he was willing to sacrifice something to see God intervene. If you look at verse 4, Here of Nehemiah chapter one, you will see that after Nehemiah had heard from his brother Hananiah about the devastation in Jerusalem, it says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Verse four says, Nehemiah fasted. Fasting, church, is sacrificial. It is sacrificial. Let, let, me give you a, let me give you an important definition of fasting, and this is a biblical definition, so, so it's important here. Biblical fasting means that I am willing to give up a legitimate need of the body because I have a greater need of the Spirit. Biblical fasting means I am willing to give up a a need, a legitimate need of my body because I have a greater need in my Spirit. In other words, there is a problem or there is a situation that is so devastating, so overwhelming, and it might be in my own life, it might be in my family, It might be in my community, the nation, or among the nations. But it is so overwhelming, it is so big, that I am willing to sacrifice. I am willing to give up something in order to see God at work. Now, there are different kinds of fasting. The kind most of us are probably most familiar with is fasting from food. That's just one kind of, there's all kinds of things you can can fast from, but most of us are most familiar with fasting from food. So so let me just kind of use that as an example this morning for just a moment. Food fasting, fasting from food biblically does not mean that I just decide I'm not going to eat breakfast or I'm not going to eat lunch or I'm not going to eat dinner for a day or even for several days or even for weeks. That that might help you lose some weight, (laughs) but it won't solve your spiritual problem. Biblical fasting means that you take the time you would normally spend preparing a meal and eating a meal, and cleaning up after a meal, or you would take the time that you spend driving to a restaurant, eating a meal there, and then driving back home, and you take that time, you spend that time, or it's equivalent in the presence of God, with the Word of God, seeking the will of God. Asking God to do something about whatever problem, situation, circumstance you're dealing with or to show you something or teach you something about that person or that problem or that situation that will help you know better how to respond to it. So you are giving up something. You are sacrificing something, a legitimate need of your body, in this case, food, You're setting that aside because there is a spiritual issue at stake. So you're willing to put aside your physical need so that you can spend time with God about the spiritual need. Church fasting means you are serious about getting an answer from God. It means you're willing to give up something to see God at work in your life, in someone else's life, in a particular situation or circumstance. It means you're serious about seeing God intervene so that you're willing to rearrange your priorities. You're willing to rearrange your schedule, my friend. You're willing to rearrange your entire life because you believe there is nothing more important than seeing God at work. That's what Determined prayer is. It is sacrificial prayer. And again, too often. We're not willing to sacrifice other things so we can pray. What we do is sacrifice prayer so we can do other things. So the question this morning really is, what price are you willing to pray? What, 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 what to pay? What price am I willing to pay? You see, God wants to know this morning how determined you are, how serious you are. He's asking this morning, church, how much of me do you really want? Wilbur Reese wrote what has to be some of the most haunting words I have ever read in a book he wrote entitled Three Dollars Worth of God. Here's what he said. I would like three dollars worth of God, please. Not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, just enough to equal a warm cup of milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a radical new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper bag. I would like to have just three dollars worth of God. Please. Church, let me tell you something. The problem in so much of contemporary American Christianity today is that we are dealing with million dollar problems and we only have three dollars worth of God. Because that's what we're satisfied with. No wonder things aren't changing. No wonder we're not seeing him use us to make the kind of difference that Nehemiah made in his world. So i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop right here this morning. I just feel like we need to stop right here. I don't have have time to cover all the rest of this, number one. But I really feel like we need to stop right here, and that's okay. So the invitation this morning is going to be a really simple one. I'm going to ask you to join me this week, in making some level of sacrifice in order to spend more time before God in prayer about the broken down walls, the destruction, the devastation, the despair, the broken down walls that are all around us. Maybe that wall's in your own life. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in this church. Your community. This nation or among the nations. You know this, don't you? Some things need to change. Some things desperately need to change. And God is calling you and God is calling me to be the difference makers. We know we've got difficult problems. And I believe, at least in my heart, that right here in this worship center, God can find some dedicated people But we will never make a difference until there is determined, sacrificial prayer. Now the month of March is going to be an entire emphasis on this. But this morning, right now, I'm asking you, please not wait. Will you join me this week in making the commitment to make some level of sacrifice in order to spend more time with God on your knees before Him with His Word, seeking His will, interceding on behalf of the devastation that is all around you and all around me. That is the only way we will ever make a difference because the real difference maker is not you, it's not me. It's God as He works through His people. And the beginning point is determined prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning uh, we confess too often our prayerlessness. Or, we confess that many times when we do pray, our prayer is focused on ourselves. And our comfort, and our security, the way we would like, and too often, if we're honest, expect our lives to be easy, trouble-free, comfortable. We love living God in your presence as we ease our way toward heaven. God, would you burden us this morning like you burdened Nehemiah? And may our first response, not our last, but our first response be determined and sacrificial prayer. So would you help us this week, Father, to determine at what place and how you would have us make that level of sacrifice in prayer. so Father, in these moments, we just ask You to speak to our hearts, draw us near to Yourself, and we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. I think very much this morning that I finished so early that our worship leaders are not here. And you know what? Maybe that's providential. Because maybe what we need to do right now more than anything else is just what we talked about. So I'm going to ask you, and I realize they're coming out now, but I'm still going to do this. there is some level of devastation in or around your life. I know it. Because there is some level of devastation in and around my life as well. In fact, I would go so far as to say there's not some level, there's a whole bunch of it. And I don't want to be a hand wringer and a finger pointer. I don't want to criticize somebody else. I want to be part of God's solution. And whether that might begin this morning with your commitment to this who's your one, because I'm going to tell you, it's going to take that determined kind of prayer to see some of these folks around us come to Christ, because the Bible says Satan has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. This is not going to happen because of our evangelistic techniques our commitment to a program. It's going to happen as God moves in the hearts of people and removes the scales from their eyes and helps them to see their need of Him and their need for Jesus Christ. So it's certainly going to take it for that. It's also going to take it for all of these other broken down walls that are around us. You can stay right where you are but I wonder this morning if some of you might also want to just join me here at the front as I, as I ask God, Lord, how, where, this week can I make some greater level of sacrifice in order to spend time before You in Your Word, seeking Your will? Because I want more than $3, God. I want as much of You as I can get because I recognize if things are going to change, it's going to be because You do it. Not me. So I'm opening up these altars this morning if you want to come. If if I can pray with you, I'll be glad to pray with you. But if you've got something on your heart this morning, if you've got a person on your heart, if your church is on your heart, your community's on your heart, this nation's on your heart, the nations are on your heart, then can we make a commitment this morning before we do anything else, we're going to be determined prayer war. So you don't have to stand up. But you can come if you desire. If I can pray with you here at the front, I'm honored to do that. Father, now hear the prayers of your people as we come before your presence. Raise up Nehemiah's for this generation. It's the prayer that we pray in Jesus' name.